This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Well, good morning and welcome to Deep South Dining. Malcolm White here with Carol Puckett. Good morning, Carol. Hey, Mal. How are you doing? You had a week off. We did. Both of us. We weren't here last week. Do you remember? I know. They kept us out of the studio yeah. while Java was on vacation. They <laughs> were scared. Right. Well, we need Nobody to hear... else wanted to produce us. No, no, no. We're unproducible. I know. It. <laughs> it's managing the unmanageable. <laughs> Only Java Chapman can do that. Now, I saw some social media posts of, of Java on vacation. You were, you were on a beach somewhere. That's all I know. Well, yeah, you know, uh, Mississippi, if people um, tend to forget, has a lovely beach, the, um, you know, Biloxi Gulfport, uh, Waveland, Long Beach, that whole uh, I-90 area um, is beach land. And we took the family down there, visited the brand new Mississippi Aquarium. I wouldn't, I'm not getting paid for this, but if you have not been, please go. It is amazing. Well, that's that's great. You know, that's a staycation of sorts, you know, vacation in Mississippi. And Malcolm, we certainly know there are beaches in Mississippi. Yes, we We're do. big fans of the Mississippi Gulf Coast. Absolutely. And of all the water and and the islands, did y'all go out to Ship Island? No, the weather was the weather was uh kind of up and down, so we didn't get a chance to get on the boat. Well, let's get to the basics here. What did you eat? Well, we kept it family friendly. Like I was telling Carol a little bit before the show, um, you know, every place we went to had uh, chicken tenders and French fries on the menu. So, you know, we kept it real. Man, chicken can't can't swim. <laughs> but we did eat some great seafood. My, uh, my me and Crystal, we um, dined on a lot of shrimp, uh, a lot of crawfish, and. Um, uh, we also, at the aquarium, you can uh, get popsicles that have a little bit of adult beverage into them. Mm. So we had some margarita popsicles, and uh, it was it was, it was was a good time. It was a good time. You heard it here on Deep South Dining, <laughs> margarita popsicles at the aquarium. Wow, that's fascinating. So what did you cook um, here lately, Carol? You've been, well, been doing much cooking? Or yes, I have. Actually, I mean, out? it's no, 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 no. It, it's summertime. So much cooking. But um, the fav- my favorite thing I made this week was panzanella, which is an Italian bread salad. Mm-hmm. I love Had a, a bread salad. Big old bowl of tomatoes and uh, a lo- half a loaf of French bread left for something left from something now else. You toast the, the bread or grill well, it. What you, do you do? You actually um, toss it in olive oil. You right. cook it. You cook it on the stove really for quite a long time. You want it to be as crunchy as possible. So how's this? You melt butter mm. and then you toss your bread cubes. So is it kind of like? Um uh, a crouton when it's all said It and is done? like a crouton. Malcolm, exactly. That's exactly what it is supposed to be like. A and the crun- crunchier, the better. And then you know, all you have to do is really cut up tomatoes. I put capers in mine. Uh, a lot of people put red onion. Mm-hmm. I did not. Uh, and a vinaigrette and toss it together. And you have a winner. Wow. I- I've always liked putting either... Uh, crumbled up crackers <clears throat> or pieces of bread in my salad and actually tossing the dressing into the bread as opposed to having it on the side. And I love 
another thing I love are these bagel chips. I will throw a handful of bagel chips in a beautiful green salad and toss them with the salad dressing. Well, I think that sounds like a pretty swell idea. I left off basil. Basil is one of the main ingredients in panzanella. Oh, okay. So you can just imagine the taste of that. Well, oh, we had some capers at our house, too. But, I bet you did. But we'll did. talk more about that in a minute. And just you know, since we hadn't seen each other, there's some odds and ends. Uh, I received a recipe from one of our listeners in Palm Beach, Florida, for you. For me, okay. For you, yes. And her name is Charlotte Pelton, and you had talked about blueberries and blueberry pie on the radio a few weeks ago. And she sent you a recipe for blueberry goat cheese pie that she says is delicious. Oh, well, thank you, uh, Carol, for passing that on and... uh that's, that looks great. I can't wait to uh, give it a swirl. That's, that's great. And uh, also, you had a tidbit to share uh, regarding the afterlife. Yes, and, th- and this is something I think we need to take seriously, and I hope we'll get some of our listeners on board, too. I read something about a woman whose headstone, she, she actually died when she was 97 years old, but her headstone includes her signature fudge recipe. Hmm. And if you can imagine, you know, a regular, like, rectangular headstone, it has kind of a big wing coming off the side of it. uh, Like an angel's wing. Well, no, no, it's flat because it it has to have printing on it. Okay. But it is her fudge recipe. And it, this was in Utah, but... I think the idea of having a recipe in your final resting place is a good one. And I kind of thought about hmm. what my recipe will be and, and really want to know what yours is going to be. Well, I don't have any plans uh, for a recipe to be on my tombstone. But should I move in that direction, I, I guess the comeback sauce would be the one I would put. I think that's good because it would fit. I mean, it would be a nice a nice fit. I've got to come up with something. My signature recipe is my shrimp and patty pan squash yes. summer recipe. It's a little too long. It would it would take a lot of a lot of carving. But come back with I work. love that recipe. I call that a traditional Gulf Coast, Mississippi Gulf Coast recipe. It's very original in my view. Not, it's not New Orleans, it's not Mobile, it's, it's not Mississippi so much, but it is a Gulf Coast, Mississippi Gulf Coast recipe. And it's made with the flying saucer squash. People call them all sorts of things, patty pan, flying saucer, but uh, you cook the squash, you know, you cook the squash first and then toss it with shrimp and breadcrumbs and all sorts of good good seasonings but patty pan squash is in the market now yeah i was going to say it's it's that time of year like okra the the patty pan and other squashes and peppers and tomatoes it's all coming in folks you got to get ready and i've got another news flash for you you know oh. we've been talking about farmers markets and I heard this weekend that Brenda is back at the old farmer's market on West Street. I'd been going by there, you know, up until a few weeks ago, just hoping. But uh, I thought she had hung it up. But, in fact, Brenda is back. So, so those Dor- fans. Doris is Dor- yeah, on Doris Highway is 80. on Highway 80. Freshway is out on Old Canton Road. 
And Brenda Langham is back in the old farmer's market. By by the uh, Memorial State. Yes. And we know that there are farmer's markets all over the state, but those are ours. Right. Well, you know, earlier uh, in this short conversation, you mentioned capers. And so I was going to say I had a wonderful uh, dish to eat this weekend. My wife, Kara, cooked, and uh, I asked her if she would be willing to to share it uh, here w- with us because she put it on Cooking and Coping and got a lot of uh, – she put both a photograph and actually she listed her recipe. So I thought – Well, indeed, indeed she did. Uh, this picture is absolutely gorgeous, and I see that she got – 117 <laughs> likes and 35 comments, and she was gracious enough to uh, to share it. You lucky guy. Yeah. So, dear, are you on the phone? I am. Good morning, Carol. Good morning, Carol. This is so wonderful because we talk about you all the time on the show, so here you are. Well, I'm delighted to be on. I was um, I, I was appreciative of the opportunity. Well, you cooked uh, two really great dishes uh, for dinner the other night, and one of them was this uh, chicken dish, which uh, you, you shared, and then you got a lot of uh, feedback, and so you were kind enough to actually post the recipe. But you also um, cooked and, and shared a cauliflower recipe, so I wonder if you would tell us about both of those. Sure. Um, you know, most of my cooking is, is kind of made up, and so um, I don't usually put a recipe, but I had so many people ask for one, so I kind of had to just go back and think about everything I threw into the pot and um, try to tell them how to do it. But um, the chicken recipe is ba- it's kind of a basic chicken recipe that I do and then make variations of it. Um, I take chicken breasts and just kind of lightly dust them in flour and salt and pepper and brown both sides with butter. Um, and then whatever sort of sauce I'm using, um, I immerse them in the in the sauce and let it just cook on low. So the chicken breast, which, as you all know, and Malcolm frequently tells me, you know, they can get very dry. So um, <laughs> if, if, I, if I put them in some kind of liquid, um, you know, that really helps. Uh, to have a more tender uh, outcome on the chicken. Kara, would this be like chicken stock or uh, to add to the chicken breast? Is that the type of some, liquid you're talking about? Yes. Yeah, usually it's, it's chicken stock or salsa. I tell you the most basic one I do is you know I, I brown the chicken like that, and then I add some chicken stock, lemon juice, and sautéed mushrooms and salt and pepper, um, and maybe a little more butter, and just let that cook down and of course because you you uh, brown the chicken with um, some flour on it it makes the sauce thicken up as it cooks down um, but with this one I did not use chicken stock I used um, tomatoes chopped tomatoes so that added all the liquid um, but uh, the sauce was let's see so I, I did the chicken and then in a separate pan um, lots of onions and garlic that I cooked down really slowly um, added a couple pans of diced tomatoes, some Italian herb, um, and then I put the chicken in that, added the artichokes, capers, um, and I'm trying to think what else, fresh basil, and then some more chopped up, um, just fresh tomatoes, and some olive paste. Mm. Um, just threw it all in there. Who knew? Olive paste, tapenade. Put the, put the top on. 
Well, it was really great, uh, and I've had it several times, uh, of course. Uh, Kara's good enough when she cooks to cook a lot, and then I eat it uh, Of course you times. do. But if you are one of the 4,200 people who are members or fans of Cooking and Coping, uh, if you go to your page, you can look for Kara Norris White, K-A-R-A, and you will see this gorgeous picture of this dish in a skillet. Yes, and uh, there's very little evidence left to show, but uh, I have done a good job of, of taking care of it. Now, you also prepared <clears throat> a cauliflower dish. Talk a little bit about that. I did. So, you know, that was just, there's a dish that uh, Derek Emerson at, at Kate and uh, Walker's had come up with that he served at Kate. It's called the Cauliflower Steak Saganaki, and um, it sounds strange and it but it, it is the most beautiful and delicious dish uh, vegetable dish that I've ever had and so I thought well I'm going to try it um, so it's basically you cut cauliflower kind of starting across the top of the head of cauliflower really thick, like, a like a steak a steak yep mm-hmm. so and I, that was you know when I had that dish at the restaurant, it was the first time I'd ever seen it served that way, and I thought, what a great idea. Um, so I just steamed it for about a minute and a half um, and then laid the cauliflower out on a pan, used my same onion, tomato, garlic um, sauce that I had cooked down to be used for the chicken. I took about half of it, put it on top of the cauliflower, um, and then added feta and Gruyere cheese because I did not have Saganaki cheese at my house. Um, so <laughs> I think I think any sort of cheese you probably can't go wrong. Um, so I just so I added that and put it under um, put it in the oven at about four hundred and then turned the boiler on for the last couple of minutes and it came out beautifully and it was delicious. Kara, wait, thank you so much for calling and uh, informing our guest because we really do. We talk about you all the time. Malcolm brags on your recipes, and uh, it was good to hear it from you and look on Cooking and Coping for Kara Norris White. Well, thanks. Thank you so much for having me. I'm glad, you know, I, I'm glad that Malcolm can, can share my dishes. And um, that is just one thing. It's, it's a relaxing thing I usually do on the weekends. So then y'all get to hear about it on Monday mornings. I like to cook a lot. So some of it turns out great and ends up on cooking and coping. And probably some of it doesn't. <laughs> well, uh, keep on cooking and start sending some of that that Sunday Sunday love up here on Monday, especially one of your galettes or cakes. <laughs> Talk to you later, Kara. Bye-bye. See you in a little while. All right, so there you hear it uh, from my wife's uh, kitchen. And, uh, You're a lucky guy. I appreciate her willingness to come on the show and share that. Okay, we're going to take a break. This will be our first break of the day, and when we come back, we're going to talk about barbecue, smoking, and grilling, because it's coming up on the 4th of July holiday. And let's talk about okra. We're going to talk about okra, and we're going to talk about hot dogs. We just talked about cauliflower. So, But anyway, we're going to talk about grilling, and we're also going to talk about smoking. If you want to join the show, we'd love to hear from you. All you got to do is pick up the phone. It's toll-free. one 
877-672-7464. Or you can shoot us an email to food at mpbonline.org. And your questions, comments, or recipes don't have to be related to the topic that we have chosen. Feel free to join in and steer the conversation in any direction that you please. We'll be right back. On Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit, you get information about foods you should eat to stay in good health and tips on how to stay active. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, host of Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit and Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Listen to the show every Monday at 11 or subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy with your preferred podcasting app. You are tuned to Deep South Dining right here on MPB Think Radio. Malcolm White with Carol Puckett. And this here is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. Indeed it is. We got a caller from Mobile, Alabama. Oh, it's Mikey. Mikey, one of our favorites. Hey, Mikey, what's happening? Well, at least you didn't say, uh-oh, it's Mikey. <laughs> oh, no. We're always happy to hear from Mikey from Mobile. Uh, y'all, thank you so much. I so enjoyed that last interview. Um, uh, now, a couple of things I got to clear up. Malcolm, I hope you'll forgive me. Um, for a long time, I heard on MPB radio more than one program because I, you're all great. Um, I thought you were saying howling mouths. <laughs> and then I finally, uh, it wasn't until you came on and explained that it was Hal and Mouse, and I learned more about it. You're and not the, the only thing, one who thought it was Howling Mouse. But wouldn't, that, wouldn't that be a great, uh, great restaurant? Hey, I might do that myself. <laughs> <laughs> it could be the Howling Mouse. <laughs> there you go, you know. Um, uh, but uh, the other thing, oh, geez, don't make me lose it. Oh, um, uh, Carla, I thought you were saying Kara, uh, uh, K-A-R-A. Well, I'm that glad, is it. It is K-A-R-A. No, I'm glad you spelled it out today because I thought you were saying Kara and, uh, or Tara, you know. It's like, and so um, it, it's just I would not want to inappropriately address anyone. Well, I appreciate that. And is Kara, K-A-R-A, Norris White, and we appreciate you. And she had such wonderful ideas, and thank you for promoting them. Um, uh, The real things, I mean, this is what we want. And when I say we, I mean, I'm I'm talking from the Gulf Coast. And, uh, you know, I'm just in, I just, just bees one of them, you know. Um, uh, It's. And uh, what we want is something that, okay, you can do a Pittsburgh blue steak, but you've got to have a professional grill to do it. And you've got to even know what that means in the first place. So, you know, it's like I love that you are rebalancing, or maybe my interpretation of it is that you are rebalancing, I should say, you know. Um, And then coming back down with a lot of ideas that really work. For those of us who are the in and out every day, thank you so much. Well, thank you. Thank you for listening, and always thank you for calling and sharing uh, uh, those fine complimentary words. We appreciate it. You know, I love Mobile. I had cousins in Mobile growing up, and they had a house out on Dolphin Island. And, man, they were boat builders, and so they were fisher fishermen and fisherwomen. 
And I remember so fondly my time in Mobile and all the great seafood that we caught and ate. I remember eating oysters off of a seawall uh, one time mm. with my brother Hal um, on Dolphin Island. Uh, and I also saw my first and only Jubilee in Mobile Bay. You actually saw one. Yeah, and, uh, which are rare. And, and explain to our listeners what a jubilee is. Well, jubilee is when uh, the the fish and the crabs and the shrimp, something happens with the oxygen level in the water, and they actually come up to the top of the water for a brief while. And for people down there, they look for this because they can run out and gather all this seafood without a boat, without fishing gear. And it's just this amazing uh, uh, environmental fluke that happens. Uh, and I know in the old days, like the church bells would ring, I mean, right. to alert people that the Jubilee yeah. was happening. Because, you know, my dad, Ben, was from Mobile. Yeah, Mobile's a very interesting very nice. town. And we appreciate our listeners over there calling in. So, Carol, uh, let's, let's touch on uh, okra. You know, you and I like okra a lot. We, I think of okra as a uh, sentinel uh, ingredient in the southern palate. I would agree with with you there. And, you know, it really, it, it hurts me to hear so many people who turn their nose up at okra and... Well, it's just more for us. Well, it is more for us, but, you know, there's a slime factor that some people just can't deal with. Right. And that is really what makes okra such a valuable ingredient in gumbos and stews because it 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 thickens things that right. that's what that quote mucilage is for mucilage mucilage but um we have some slime busting tips here <laughs> <laughs> not ghostbusters the slime that's right and i literally uh, have this book I see it. Virginia Willis, who is just one of my favorite chefs, she's up from Virginia Way. She literally wrote the book on okra. And uh, I thought that I would provide a few slime-busting okay. tips. That'd be great. I'm sure our listeners uh, are and, and waiting with bated breath. Yes, they are. And I want you to, to chime in the... because you are such an okra, a man of the pod, I will say. <laughs> <laughs> but to reduce slime... Choose small pods mm. and yep. wash and dry them thoroughly before you fry them, cook them. Okay. Okay, here's a good one. When you're cutting okra into pieces, wipe your knife on a kitchen towel between slicing so you do not spread the slime. Ah, this way you contain the slime. Yes. By keeping yes. a clean cutting knife. This is very much in the tradition of how to cut a wedding cake. I have spent years serving wedding cakes to parties and banquets, and I learned early on that you have to keep the knife blade clean or it will make a— It will uh, gunk. It will gunk and, and make a bad cut. And so, so that's why you see cups of water. Cups so. of water and rags to constantly wipe the blade clean. Same with the okra. Golly, we're giving such great tips. <laughs> we're proud of ourselves I this know, morning, we folks. Are, we are. And when you're cooking okra, give it room. Don't crowd the pan. Do not crowd because the Because steam will produce more slime. Mm. 
There you go. And cook okra at high heat and cook it fast. Now, this is for people who don't like slime. For us, we like to cook it low and slow. And one thing I learned from you many years ago was your was okra and tomatoes. Oh. I still think you make the best okra and tomatoes I've ever had. So I think you should sh- – well, you never do the same thing no, twice. Never. But tell us about that. Well, first of all, I hated okra and stewed, stewed okra and tomatoes because a child. It, it made me barf. I hated the idea of it, and uh, I hated it. I wouldn't eat it. But as I got older, I acquired a taste uh, for this this dish. Again, another – Southern dish of what well, may I say it's southern? It may have come from Africa. Okra certainly did, but stewed tomatoes and okra, and and, and here you want to bring on the slime, and and you know you just cook them together in some stock, uh, uh, boil them gently together, certainly you know season them, salt, pepper, any other sort of seasonings that uh, you're interested in, garlic. Onion. I love onion in this dish. See, I've seen you do like saute onion before. Mm-hmm. You put the okra in. And then in. add it into the sauteed yep. onion, which I saute either in olive oil or butter or both. And then just build it until it becomes a, a sort of bubbling uh, dish. A, a bubbling cauldron of goodness. of goodness. There you go. The old stewed tomatoes and okra. Love it, love it, love it, love it. Now, you do the Indian okra really, really well. I do. You know, about 20 years ago, I had Indian okra in the U.S. for the first time and have since had it many times in many ways in India. But the uh, what I've been doing lately is roasting it. Mm. And to do that, you cut the pods lengthwise. Right. Just like, like matchsticks. Correct. And toss lightly with olive oil, put in a four hundred. And once you sear them, that slows down the slime, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it makes them crunchy. Right. And you know, roast them for fifteen or twenty minutes. You have to check it, and then toss toss the finished product in spices. And I've used Indian spices like the uh, garam masala. Uh, if, or they're just, it's good in salt and pepper or mm-hmm. with a little Creole seasoning. But a few weeks ago, we had a dinner at my house. I, you were there. Pork, it was the Pork Chop it was Club. was a Pork Chop Club uh, Yes, honoring Thomas Williams. And I did this okra, and it never came to the table because you and Donna Barksdale the kitchen. feasted. It's kitchen okra. And Leanne. And, and we, Leanne we Galt. And Thomas never got any because he very politely went out and set in the parlor waiting for his meal. Meanwhile, the kitchen rats were all up in the kitchen eating the okra. Yeah, and it's a great appetizer. And that's the first time I I had it was in New York. They put a big, it's like okra matchsticks on the table. Hmm. But wow. you heard it here. Now, do you like pickled okra? I do indeed. Hmm. Okay. Have you pickled okra? I know never you're a have. big pickler. I never have. I think you should do it this summer so Give we can talk shot. about it. Mm-hmm. Might want to do that. I know you can get it in lots of places in various uh, already jarred containers that you can. A lot of people like to put it in Bloody Marys, serve it as a side dish. Um, I just like on a salad plate or or a plate, just a, a piece of pickled okra mm-hmm. elevates it. Um, I know we're coming up on the break, Malcolm and Carol, but at, to round out the okra discussion, a lot of times when people try things – 
or say they don't like things, they haven't tried it the right way or haven't had it cooked the right way. What would be the best way for try to convert somebody to like okra? Would you just go for the fried or deep like, fried? Deep fried. Okay. <laughs> deep, deep fried. Let's start there. And then we can work our way up to stewed. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Fried fried okra is one of one of my uh my top dishes. In fact, I love it so much that when the wonderful Lois Kennedy uh, of McGee was alive. She she was Donna Barksdale's mom. She would give me fried okra for birthdays and other holidays. Would make deliveries to my front door. I remember once it was on Halloween. She brought me fried okra like in a silver paper cone. Oh wow! So the gift of okra is a gift that keeps on giving. We've got a caller from Vicksburg, the River City, calling in. Kinu is calling us to talk about the way she prepares okra. Hello. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. Enjoy the show. Thank you. Uh, I'm a Japanese, and uh, actually, you probably never like to uh, eat okra this way, but I have to say, uh, uh, we boil okra and uh, just the branches. And then uh, we uh, chop it with the green onions and make it glue, you know, that just sticky as much as possible. You just t- tap it with the uh, knife, and it's like a become like a glue, you can, you can imagine. Wow. <laughs> and then you mix with soy sauce and the Japanese yellow hot mustard. And it's just like a fermented uh, soybean natto. I miss natto so much. And the, when okra comes, I eat okra as a natto. <laughs> and then I eat with rice. But I don't think anybody's going to try this. Well, I don't know. I think Carol and I are going to try it. <laughs> well, now, you, you say you cook down the, the, the stems? Yeah, everything. You just, but the whole you, thing? You, you, yeah, whole thing, but you, you take the stem away, of course. And then you chop it. It's just as much as possible. Just tap it with the knife. It just become like a minch, you know. What I mean, mm-hmm. the, the glue just make the glue as uh, the sti- sticky as possible. It's like a paste. It become like a paste with gone, lots of green onions. Wow! And then you mix with the uh, uh, soy sauce and the Japanese uh, yellow mustard. It's in a tube. And it's awesome. <laughs> okay, Malcolm, it. we're going to have to do research. And I see, um, Kino, that is okula. Okra. Okay, but in Japanese, is it okula? Okula. Okula. Yes. Okay. Well, we're, we're on the trail here of a new dish. <laughs> we, we are so appreciative because we did not know. I know I didn't know about Japanese okra. Is, is that in the cookbook? Anything uh, I don't know, but uh, oh. I just love natto, and, uh, which I cannot get it. So that is a really good substitute for me. If, you know, even the nutrients is different, but mm-hmm. I just love the texture and the taste. Well, that's terrific. We we certainly appreciate uh, you sharing that. I mean, seriously, we're going to give it a try. And, uh, okay. Well, yeah, it doesn't look good, but it tastes good to me. That's all right. That's all right. Thank you so much for uh, calling. You're welcome. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, we appreciate you listening, and we appreciate you calling. All right. Well, let's take a break, and we'll come back, and we'll talk about the 4th of July things, including grilling, smoking, barbecuing, hot dogs. Hey, baby, it's the 4th of July. Carol and I will be right back, and we'd love to hear from you. If you want to give us a call, 1-877-672-7464, or we'll take an email sent directly to food at 
mpbonline.org. We'll be right back. Print impaired. MPB's radio reading service is here for you. Our dedicated team of volunteers bring the world of news and entertainment to you. For information and to see if you qualify, call us at 601 432 6301. Contractor ever tell you of the price of something and it sounds so high you think, eh, maybe I'll try it myself? Some jobs just aren't that difficult, and yes, you can do it. If you want to find out how to do those things, listen to Fix It 101, podcast everywhere. Welcome back to Deep South Dining, Malcolm White, Carol Puckett, and we are going to spend a little time here talking about the 4th of July coming up this uh, this weekend. Uh, wish everybody a happy 4th, uh, happy Independence Day, and we know that a lot of people will be outside grilling and smoking and cooking hot dogs and such. And, you know, we just have not given enough honor and respect to the hot dog on this show. Well, that's my thinking. Yeah, we, we we should not give the hot dogs short shift. Yeah, we should. And I know you you are quite the hot dog man. I love hot dogs, uh, and uh, I love to. I'll tell you what I will do. I'll get a whole pack of hot dogs. Like if I'm going to cook chicken or hamburgers or smoke a butt, which I did. Well, since you and I've been on the show, I smoked a uh, pork butt uh, on my Weber, and I like doing this every now and again. And what I did, I had some limbs down from my pecan tree in my yard, so I was actually able to uh, start a charcoal fire, move all the coals over to one side, and then <clears throat> really season the exterior of, of my pork butt, and then throw those uh, pecan chunks of wood that I, that I had cut up on top of those coals, and put the top on that thing, choked it down, and let my uh, the exterior of my butt char and get nice and crunchy and crispy before I wrap it in aluminum foil, take it inside, and cook it on about 250 for two or three hours until it absolutely falls apart. And that's how I do a pork butt. Well, that sounds great, but where's the hot dog? I know. So the story got <laughs> off track a little bit. But when I'm grilling... Whether it's chicken uh, or steaks or hamburgers, I will get a whole package of hot dogs, and I will take them out there and grill them. Then I will put them in a Ziploc bag and put them in the freezer and pull them out one by one as I want to eat them throughout the week or two weeks ahead. So it has that nice smoky char flavor on it, but it's already ready to go, and I just microwave it in the bun, and off I go. Well, you know, I really learned a lot about hot dogs from you many years ago because you and the late Bruce Browning from Ecru, Mississippi, used to debate the merits of hot dogs endlessly. Yes. And you would talk about Nathan's, you would talk about Hebrew National, and at that time, they weren't really easy to get. 
Correct. Uh, yeah, where we are, and you would be so delighted if you could get a Nathan's Hot Dog or a Hebrew National. Yeah, and if we saw them somewhere in a store, Bruce and I, we would pick up several packs and freeze them and bring them back and share them. Now, I'll tell you, there's another uh, hot dog uh, enthusiast from our group of friends, the, the late, great Michael Rubenstein, loved hot dogs. And, of course, he loved the, the kosher hot dogs. But he used to have a hot dog festival in his, at his home every year during the 4th of July. And he would invite people over, and he would cook hot dogs for all his friends. And then they would experiment. We would experiment with different we need to bring this back. Yes. We would use different condiments. We'd go Chicago style. We'd go Detroit style. We would go New York style. We'd go veggie. Anyway, it was a great concept. Uh, so I guess I sort of grew up in a, a hot dog uh, a, a group of friends. Well, you know, speaking of the New York hot dog, and you think ballpark, New York Yankees, New York Mets, a New York hot dog is steamed onions and yellow deli mustard. Only. Only. Okay. No ketchup. No, no, no. Well, first okay. of all, <clears throat> no one should put ketchup on a hot dog except children. Oh. Yeah, grandchildren should, should always put ketchup on their hot dog, but not adults. Is that one of the the things you cross into into adulthood, one of the bridges of adulthood? That's just me being snarky. Well, I think it's a good idea. Also, the Chicago hot dog. My favorite. It is your favorite. Do you want to talk about no, it? No, you talk about okay. it. Okay. I love it, though. Because I lived in Illinois, and I have to admit I never had a Chicago hot dog. Wow. Layered with yellow mustard, dark green relish. I mean, Chopped. that relish looks like it's from another planet. It's so green. It's it's not real looking, but go ahead. It's like like green dye. It looks it's like deep green dye. Green. Um, raw onion, mm-hmm. a pickle spear. Yep. What are what do you think are sport peppers? They're little bitty tiny red peppers, and you get one in each Chicago hot dog, and that little rascal will fire you up. But it's sort of poked down in there, so be careful. Tomato slices and topped with a dash of celery salt and served in a poppy seed bun. Absolutely. You can't eat that with one hand. No, no, no. This, it's, this it's is a, a knife and fork hot dog. No, no, no. It's two hands. But no, you, you can knife and fork it, of course. Okay, okay. But uh, no, you got to eat this at the ballpark. So how, what are you going to get, a knife well, and fork well, on the I, third base? I don't know, you but know? with raw onion, pickle spear, sports, sports, peppers, tomato slices, dark green relish, yellow <laughs> mustard. I, I, I don't know. It's like a buffet. <laughs> it's a smorgasbord in a bun. Yeah, it's fantastic. Okay, Atlanta, the hot okay. dog. Atlanta Atlanta's a coleslaw city. They put slaw on their dogs. <clears throat> yes, and, and I like coleslaw on a hot dog. And people, some people call them slaw dogs. Sla- well, that's without the, the wiener. A slaw dog is just slaw on a, a, a bun. Really? Like a chili bun. Really? That's a slaw dog. Well, uh, growing up, that's the way we did it. Well, I'm not saying that you don't put slaw on the wiener. You do, of course. That's. But a slaw, oh, gosh, you learned it here. That okay. or I just made that up. I don't what, know. About, what about the Detroit dog? Sounds really good. It is smothered in chili, mm. shredded cheddar cheese, and raw onion. Now, why would they call a Detroit dog a Coney? I don't know. It seems wrong. I don't know. Like a Coney Island hot dog is 
you know, one of one of the great hot dogs of all time. Last time I checked, Coney Island was not in Detroit. No, it wasn't in Detroit, but that, um, I guess to bring a personal story into it, the Coney Island is the name of a restaurant in Detroit, which is actually getting ready to close. This place has been open for over a uh, hundred years since 1921. And I visited this restaurant back in my younger days when uh, I was uh, de- dating a uh, Detroit, Michigan young lady. Whoa. And uh, we went to, you know, we went to the, to the city. She was showing me around the town and she was like, you gotta go get a Coney. And I was like, a Coney. And she was, and she took me to this restaurant, and it was uh, chili, cheese, and onions, and it was you know amazing for three in the morning. <laughs> yeah. And you d- you had no idea then that you were doing research for your future adult job. I had no idea, and I and I just looked it up this morning because I was trying to uh, reminisce. And this uh, restaurant, Red Hot's Coney Island uh, in Michigan, is actually getting ready uh, to close after a hundred years. In business. Well, you know, there's a Coney Island in Hattiesburg as well. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah downtown. Yeah. I, I love the Coney Been Island there for a long, long time. Yeah, yeah, it has. Nice family joint. Now, the hot dog that that is most cooked at my house by my partner John Palmer comes from the Flora Butcher, mm. and it is actually a Wagyu beef hot dog. Okay, and it, it's. It's a pretty big hot dog. I mean, the Hebrew Nationals are long and skinny. It's as long as the Hebrew National, but fatter. Does, it, does the wiener hang off the edge of the, yes, the, it does. Both ends of the bun? Yes, it does. Okay. But, so your first uh, bite of this hot dog has no condiment. It's it has no. That, absolutely right. Okay. But uh, so our friend Dave Raines is selling Wagyu beef hot dogs there in Flora. Now, I see no mention of sauerkraut. In these various hot dog styles, uh, do you like the sauerkraut? Well, not so much. How about you? Yeah, no, I do like sauerkraut on a hot dog. But but you like everything. Correct. I, yeah. Correct. I, I like chili, cheese. I, I love the Chicago style. Uh, uh, I, can, I can go with the coleslaw or the sauerkraut. But I just have to be careful and not over-condiment. My hot dog. So I didn't know there was such thing. You lose the flavor of the dog itself. You know, I think it would be wrong to talk talk about hot dogs without talking about the great hot dog competitive eater Joey Chestnut. Uh, your friend. Well, you love talking about. Joey I Chestnut. love talking about. I'm just fascinated. But he is the American champion hot dog eater, and he broke his own record last year. Of 75 hot dogs in 10 minutes. Doesn't that just sound horrible? The rascal can eat a hot dog. He can eat a hot dog, but he's now semi-retired from his construction I'm job. Sure he because is. he makes <laughs> he makes so much money competitive eating. And the prize for eating the hot dog contest is $10,000. Oh, okay. And well, he's won the, the Nathan's contest 13 times. So uh, He could be it, the Grand Marshal of the House St. Patty's Parade. You know, that's a great idea. The theme could be the, hot dogs. That's a great idea. We'll look into that in the future. Meanwhile, we have a caller. 
our North Mississippi Hill Country correspondent. Well, not, not yet, Malcolm. We're, we're still getting um, oh, okay. the one and only Chico from Oxford set up. But I do have to uh, <laughs> say, um, uh, when we're talking about hot dogs, and we got to get you guys out to the Magnolia Markets at Footprint Farms okay. every third Saturday, every third Saturday of the month. So in July, check your calendar, and uh, we'll try to get you out because you got to get one of these Enrica, our good friend Enrica, her Fauna Festival street dogs, Ooh. and Ooh. I get them every. I get them every time. She knows to sit them aside, especially for me. <laughs> okay, <laughs> two beef hot dogs. You get stew with black beans, house made cheer. Uh, uh, I'm not going to say this wrong. Chorizo. Chorizo. That's it. Right Chorizo, on. white queso, fresh pico de gallo. And I mean, it is fresh. Garlic um, uh, uh, with crispy jalapenos and fresh cilantro. I take two down and I don't even know how fast, but I take two down every time. And they are they are so delicious. OK, wow. so this is at Footprint Farms every third Saturday and Enrico Williams is one of our favorite chefs. I saw Enrico last week. Oh, you did? We had a nice visit. Okay, good. We did were... she talk about <clears throat> Java's hot dogs? She didn't, but she. we talked a lot about what she's been doing, and I told her she needed to come back on the show and give us an update. Uh, we, uh, we bumped into each other at the Urban Foxes coffee shop uh, downtown. It was great to see her. Now, we've got a caller. Are we ready for Chico? Uh, the one and only Chico Harris from Oxford area is on the phone. Good morning, y'all. Uh, I just wanted to, to add in that I sometimes enjoy leaving Mississippi and driving to Tulsa, where they have a string of small hot dog stands that go by the name of the Coney Islander. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, and it's a good place, too. It's a good little joint. And I also like leaving Mississippi to go to New York City and have a hot dog at Yankee Stadium, which is often the center of the universe. Uh Your universe. Right, right. This past weekend, I was at the real center of the universe, the North Mississippi Hill Country Picnic in Waterford, Mississippi, in southern Marshall County, which is known for Betty Davis barbecue and Betty Mm. Davis catfish, which is off the charts great but i was walking through the woods through the campsite area saturday we were headed to the stage and someone hollered hey come here and eat with us chico and i said man we got to go to the music and I'm, I'm kind of full no you can you need to come get one of these hot dogs and i said man i've had hot dogs and somebody said chico you really need to try one of these hot dogs so we changed direction went down there and i they fixed me up one with brown mustard and onions and i took a bite and I looked up, and there was a dude I didn't know. He said, I ain't giving away no secrets. <laughs> Don't ask. And it was a fine, fine hot dog at a fine, fine event. Well, that's great. Well, I, I saw a lot of social media uh, about the North Mississippi Hill Country picnic. Looked like a great crowd, great weather. Um, I appreciate you checking in on us, uh, Chico, and telling us about the hot dogs that are down there beyond the Betty Davis barbecue and catfish. Well, we have a short bit of time left. We want to touch on grilling vegetables. We said we were going to talk about it. So it, you don't, it, the grill is not just for meat anymore. No, it's it's for many, many things. It's for fish. It's for vegetables. Uh, and we are a week away from July 4th and July 5th, which is a holiday. And my reminder is to go ahead and get your grill clean. Good idea. And how do you clean your grill? 
Well, it depends on what kind of grill you have. But, I have a Weber. Uh, you have a Weber, and you have cast iron grates. That's right. And those are prone to rust, so you don't want to do anything that has has water uh, water with it. You want when the grate is is cool, you want to scrub it with a nylon cleaning brush uh-huh. or a nylon sponge. And then saturate the grates with vegetable oil and wipe it with a paper towel to keep them from rusting. Okay. And now here's I a, that. That, here's a good, good idea that uh, for stuck-on food, you know how you can just scrub and scrub and can't get it off? Yes. Uh, so this is a deep clean. You can do it if you have a very large sink or get a like a black garbage bag. Mm-hmm. And you put vinegar and baking soda and water in the bag, put your grates in, seal oh, it overnight. Yes, yeah, mm-hmm. seal it and let them sit overnight and then just rinse them off. So what about some tips about grilling vegetables in terms of, uh, you know, how do you cut the vegetables to prepare them to grill? Do you put oil on them? Do you season them before, after? How, how, do, how would you? Well, one, one tip when you're doing things like squash and zucchini is Cut them so you have as much surface exposed to the grill. Instead of cutting in little rounds, cut long ways. It's much easier, you know, to deal with. And you want to make sure that your grill is oiled and your vegetable is is oiled. Okay. All right. And then you season before? You go on the grill like you do meat, or well, I I season mine after I take it. You know, take them off, put them in a bowl, whatever, and in season. Um, but. I'm sure there are many, many ways, and I'm certainly not the expert on that. And oil, using oil, not butter, not too much oil, because it will flare up in yeah, the, in the fire. Yeah, it will. But, but yes, a little bit will. of oil to moisten the vegetables uh, so that they will not stick. Is that is that what you're thinking? Now? That, that is exactly what I'm thinking. And, you know, when we talk about, there's so so much talk about gender issues in life in general, but the barbecue and the grill is one place where gender issues have really um, shown themselves through the years. We have more women like our friend Trudy Fisher grilling and uh, competing in contests. But uh, I was reading something and it says it's the the grill for a man brings out the caveman in you. It's uh, you know, a real macho thing, like playing with fire and bragging right. about how good you cook. And it's really amazing when you think about it that a man can cook one or two meals three times a year and be splashed with compliments well, while we cook every day. Absolutely. And I want to compliment all the women who listen to our show who don't for all of the great work that they do and have done. And, and that they're doing on the grill. On the grill. That's right. Bring on the women on the grill. All right, that about wraps up the show for today. Deep South Dining is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting's Think Radio. We are funded by generous contributions from listeners just like you. Thanks. Our show was produced by Java Chat. My co-host, Carol Puckett. I'm Malcolm White. Please stay tuned now for Marshall Ramsey and his show, Now You're Talking, followed by Southern Remedy at 11. And again, join Carol and I every Monday at 9 a.m. for Deep South Dining. Heard only on MPB Think Radio.